Hey there, cats and kittens out there in podcast land. Thanks for tuning in. It's another episode of Wizard on Wizard, the only podcast that tells you what it's like to be a wizard. Halloween's coming up. We got something that's going to scare you to death. Another chapter of Reverend Dr. Hugo Holmes Now's groundbreaking self-help book, What's Wrong With You? That's not all we have, though. Coming after that, we got um, B.S. Smith. He's gonna do some cool poems with his band, Electric Hole Punch. Virgil Stain Frankenstein stops by. He's a SEG staff writer. You might know him from such stories as Ray, the Joneses, um, Samurai with a P. You don't say the P, though. It's just there. And all this is brought to you by the good folks Stripper's Choice Vodka. We're going to hear from them. Okay, so here's the story. Um, I originally intended this segment to be somewhat educational. Because a lot of people don't know about um, magic and the spiritual horrors that could befall someone who's studying magic. They tend to leave all that stuff out of the book. And they don't talk about how boring it is, too. Um, so I was kind of wanted to do that, but it didn't work out. Because it turns out that I didn't know as much about magic as I thought. Um, so I'm just going to tell you the story about what happened to me one time. Uh, when you're a wizard, you spend a lot of time meditating. And meditation is really just the practice of learning how to turn your brain off and not think. It should be taught in schools because a lot of people come to me and they say, my brain just never shuts off. I can't stop thinking. And then it's like, well, never mind. Anyway, I do a lot of the meditating. And sometimes when you meditate, you get to see crazy things. Sometimes you have visions and sometimes you go on adventures. Um, that kind of ruins it for me. I just like to sit and be quiet, but, you know, that's what happens. So anyway, during this particular time of my life, I was uh, meditating, and I would always see this giant eyeball staring back at me. Um, this went on for a few months. Every time I meditated, I'd get to a nice, quiet place, and this giant eyeball would show up. I didn't know what to make of it, but it kept happening, so I tried to make something of it. And I didn't know, was it some kind of spirit looking at me? Was it just junk my brain was doing? I didn't know. So I'm getting a little disturbed by this every time seeing the giant eyeball. Um, and then one day, I was playing Angry Birds on my tablet. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, that because the tablet screen was so shiny, that there was an image of my eyeball reflecting back at me up in the corner that I had been staring at for months and didn't notice because I was too busy. Those pigs, man, they're jerks. You gotta do what you can to get the eggs back, you know? So I'm focused on my my job, saving the birds, not noticing that my brain has been noticing the image of my eyeball that it kept showing me when I was meditating. So there, my great big mystical experience 
it's just peripheral vision not working right that's what a lot of wizards do magical people tend to be a little too willing to believe in weirdness but sometimes it's just you know because you play too much angry birds ladies and gentlemen who have to take off their clothes to pay their bills we're talking to you most people might treat you like the drug-addled parasites that you are, but not those of us down at Stripper's Choice Vodka. We understand. We understand that nobody goes into a profession where they're forced to take off their clothes in order to pay their bills, unless everything else in their lives have gone horribly wrong. And when everything in your life is going horribly wrong, <coughs> has gone horribly wrong, and probably will always go horribly wrong, you need no. You deserve a little something to take the edge off. You may be familiar with Stripper's Choice Percocet infused vodka, the only vodka that contains synthetic opiates. Now we bring you something better. You called out and asked for this and we gave it to you. Now introducing Stripper's Choice Highball. It's a mix of fentanyl-infused vodka and energy drink that'll have you asking, why should I choose between up and down? Why can't I have both? I need, I need this, I need this. So, go on down to your doctor and ask for a prescription for Stripper's Choice fentanyl-infused vodka mixed with energy drink. And now, back to our program. Smith stopped by again. <clears throat> Man, that's always nice. This time it's something a little different. After he got done playing funk music, he started getting into poetry. This is from his 1972 album, I Can Also Write Poetry, by B.S. Smith and Electric Hole Punch. I think there's five different poems. Hope you enjoy them. Not now, 
But soon you'll be at the store Buying a black page notebook and a pink gel pen And you'll go home knowing that today You became more than a woman You became a poet
six weeks since I've seen her face. I just put a cigarette out and a glass of juice. I told the guy it was an accident, but he's trying too hard. My coffee tastes like a bad idea. The girls I dream about are all named Zoe, and they longer have faces. They were stolen and buried by nameless pirates, but I took their map. The waitress is a victim of her own beauty. I don't make a pass, but I ask for matches so I can watch her bend over. Any guilt I might feel evaporates in an exhalation of blue smoke on a fork full of confidently yellow eggs. They taste better this way, I've been assured of it. That girl in the booth over there doesn't look like much, but she's kinetically beautiful. She'll break your heart with a blink. I saw her smile once on my way to the bathroom. I got lost for days. I found my way back, but I haven't been the same. war stories to a slice of cherry pie while an entrepreneur yells at Germany through a cell phone filled with bubblegum. And in the corner, a single mom reads a mom's proposal to a group of small children. Yeah. You know, all the cream and sugar in the world can't make this coffee less tasteless than a shotgun wedding between cousins. There's a newly lit cigarette between my lips that burns me like desire. I wonder how it got there. I'd go home, but I'm afraid to sleep. The pirates are close to finding out who took their map. And I like the girls better without faces. Taint with your taffy-ass corn Sooner than later your face I will adorn With the spilt seed of my non-born Unicorn poem number two Unicorn, why is your face so long and forlorn? I never did say that I would warn Before I came in your mouth Number four. I, I didn't start number four yet. try something new this time um, I got a special phone number for the show I've been passing it out on all kinds of bulletin boards and telephone poles and bathroom stalls around town and we're just gonna open up the phone lines and answer some questions hopefully questions about magic and wizarding but 
who knows what we're going to get. That's what happens when you open up the phone lines. So, uh, here we go. Caller number one, you're on the air. Uh, hello? Caller number one? Are you there? No one's there. Okay. We're going to take another call. Hey, caller number two. You're on the air. What's your question about wizards and magic? Yeah, I was, um, I, I think I'm under a spell. I traveled back here from 2053, um, after getting in a bar fight with a, a really drunk witch at a child's birthday party. Um, okay. Um, this kind of things happen. Um, that's not a question, though. Yeah, I, I know. It's not a question. I don't have a question. I just wanted to get my story out there, and I wanted people to hear me, and I wanted to talk about myself. I, t I told Mark this probably wasn't going to be a good idea. Alright. Uh, let's do caller number three. Caller number three. What's going on with you? What's your question about magic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, hi, is this, hi, is this, hi. The wizard. Call in, shout, Um, 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 um. I'm possessed. I'm possessed. Not all of me. Just, um, my left foot. The little toe. To be specific. Um, hey, uh, caller. Can you, um, can you, uh, turn your radio down? Uh, what? Uh, what? Uh, what? I can't hear you. Everything's too echoey. Whew! I'm glad that's over. Hey, let's do this. Let's talk to Virgil St. Frankenstein. Well, I guess I should start out by asking, um, are you related to the, to the real Frankenstein? Well, in a matter of speaking, you see, Frankenstein is a fictional character, dear boy. Mary Shelley used my great-great-great-grandfather's name. You see, he created war golems for the Holy Roman Emperor Francis uh, during the uh, War of the Third Coalition against Napoleon. She took inspiration from my grandfather's exploits, used his name, never gave him one then dime for it. Now to this day, people still think the monster's name is Frankenstein. Very inconvenient. Huh. Yeah, I, I didn't know there was a St. Frankenstein. What's, what's that all about? An ancestor of mine changed his name when he converted to Protestantism. You, you know that Protestants, they don't have saints, right? He seemed to be operating on the assumption that all Gentiles were cryptopantheists. That's an easy mistake to make. Hmm, yes, indeed. Hmm. Did I ever tell you about the time I bested Madame Blavatska at arm wrestling? Never met you before. Ah, well, you see, Madame Blavatska had built quite the reputation as being a master of monomanibist pugilism. For one dime, you could challenge the Queen of Lemurs. She cleaned out the entire OTO for 50 quid in her and out of orders. So being a new fellow, the old boys thought it'd be fun to take a bit of the piss. They put all the money on her to win in under five minutes. They gave me abysmal odds, but I prevailed. So you won? 
It was a mighty struggle, but six minutes and forty-seven seconds later, down went her hand, right into the scorpion box. I made a tidy sum as well, not a moment too soon, because I had to make myself scarce for a bit. You see, Bravatska went on the warpath, summoning her lemur rangers, and I want no parts of that. Did you know they were trained by the Queen's druid assassins? Um, I, I'm not even sure what you're talking about. I was preparing to flee to the States when I got a call from Al. Who's Al? Well, Alistair, of course, the old crow himself. And it seems Ian Fleming had recommended him to the Ministry of Defense as a counter to Hitler's crude Viking head sorcery. He asked me if I wanted to tag along and help waste the crown's coin. I figured, well, that's gone and done it. Whoa, wait. You worked for the Ministry of Defense during World War II? That's awesome. I didn't really have much of a choice as I saw it. If I was working for the Queen in a vital capacity, then Blavatska would have to call off her monkeys. Did you know Winston Churchill? He's my favorite president. <laughs> Winston, that reminds me of the time I drank McGregor Mathers under the table. We were on the same dartly, you see, and he had his rather odd tendency to read aloud for the newspaper over victuals. And that's the reason I always carry an apple in my pocket. Okay. Um, did you eat the apple? Phew, child, of course not. Don't be absurd. Can you talk more about what you did in World War II? Oh, yes. Well, the war. Did you know I would have kippers and eggs for breakfast every morning at eight shots? What? Why would I know that? One morning, I was over half an hour late, and Field Marshal Montgomery was at the quit. Oh, blimey, there goes the war. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, you spent some time in the Golden Dawn. As a wizard myself, I've read a lot about the Golden Dawn. I even thought about joining them, but the modern version is a little too... Um, it's a little too goofy. Yeah, that's that's the word, goofy. You mentioned Crowley, Mathers, and Velasky. Did you ever meet Regarde? Israel Regarde arranged the middle pillar ritual for a barbershop quartet. He wanted me to see Tanner, but then the war ended and the Crown dismissed me from service. At that point, Plavatska smelled the blood in the water. I bolted for America, first chance I got. You sure do get around. Where did you go in the States? Well, I landed in San Francisco, because that was about as far as I could get from the UK and still be in America. Hawaii not having yet been made a state, and Alaska being too bloody cold. There I met a promising young man named Anton LaVey. That little rapscallion still owes me $50 US. 1960s dollars, mind you. What a stiff. Mm, indeed. So... How did you get the SEG gig? Well, for that story, you have to go back quite a long way. That's great. You see, a good chum of mine at the time was a necromancer by name of Alvin Morgan. Alvin had raised a young skeleton he called Mortimer. He'd raised him up from just a tiny little rattler, treated him as a member of his own family. The decision to raise the dead always haunted Alvin. It left him sick and sallow as he'd used his own life energy. Of course, nowadays he runs about raising the dead Elta Skelter, but when his old maid Virgil needs him to bring back LaFave and get my fifty quid, he's full of lectures about the balance of the universe. It was just for a quick pop-in. All right, how's your bum? Off you go. Thank you, Welsh Git. So, then you joined the SEG staff? 
Mort had moved to New York by the 30s, still wet under the temporal bones, stars in his sockets, mostly trifling fare, four-color funny papers and such. He moved on when he was crowded out of his position by that upstart Lieber kid. To make a long story short, oh, thank you. Mort used to like to stand in the middle of a stream by the house he grew up in back in Wales and try to spear the fish swimming past his fibulae with his phalanges. Every time he'd caught one, he'd say, Well, that's me all over. And we'd laugh for hours and talk about how the trains never ran so well. Like Are you saying hmm? it was Mort that got you the job? Yes. I should ask a question while I have the chance. I've noticed your cereals all bump into each other. For instance, the character Ray, he shows up everywhere. Does he? Right. Is there anywhere people can read your collected cereals and say, uh, Handy ebook or ghost book format from the SEG Press? Well, I would assume so. My assistant has rigged up a device that allows me to shout at my computer and it does my will. Yeah, I was talking to your assistant. Uh, he's working on it. He said to let you know that the collected Virgil St. Frankenstein omnibus should be out sometime in January of 2018. Um, hey, let's play a game. I'll name an old timey wizard and you tell me a secret about them that nobody knows. Well, that sounds cracking. Alistair Crowley. Died in an opium den. McGregor Mathers. Died in an opium den. Madame Blatsky. Died in a Lemurian opium den. Lemuria exists? If you wish hard enough. Moving on. Gerald Gardner, Ray Buckland. Those are two distinct wizards. Wait, what? I thought it was just one guy pretending to be two guys. It's not? That's the thing about hippie earth wizards. There always seems to be more of them around than there needs to be. <laughs> Well, oh, thanks for coming by. It's nice to talk to another real wizard for once. It's way better than talking to cats who talk back to you. Before you go, is there anything else you want to plug? I assume you have a GoFundMe to pay for your medical bills and groceries, like the rest of the SEG staff? Well, I still receive a healthy pension from the crown. It's your generation that's fucked, not mine. <laughs> Buckle in your seats, kids. Strap on those helmets, because your soul is about to be violated and improved. Welcome to RDHH Sonic Blast of Wisdom Superior Podcast. Hi again. It's me, T. Vulpem. And I'm back with another contractually obligated edition of the Reverend Dr. Hugo Holmes Now Sonic Blast of Wisdom podcast as read by me or my underlings I got super high before this because I thought I would make it more fun but I was wrong today we got chapter 3 <clears throat> chapter 3 now we are down to the meat of the heart of the matter he put an exclamation point in there but I didn't say it I don't think you can blame me for it either. You should have learned something from reading this book by now. In fact, you have learned a dozen and one things that have happened to you that have caused things to be wrong with you, and you have learned the three parts of the soul. That's 16 things. Let us list the things we have learned in list form. And there's a big title. It says, the things you have learned, the dozen and one causes of what is wrong with you. Number one, it's your mom. That's your mom, your mom, your mother. 
your lady dad. Number two, that's your father. Number three, your parents. Number four, your siblings. Number five, your friends. Number six, television and movies. Seven, school and teachers. Eight, music and books. Nine, your religion. Ten, your genitalia. Eleven, the voices in your head. Twelve, your inability to distinguish reality from your feelings. Thirteen, your refusal to admit that you're not the only thing in the world. And then we got the three parts of your soul. Number one is the reality generating mechanism. This part of your soul takes what is wrong with you and uses that to construct your reality for you. Number two, I don't know. Number two is the fear matrix. This is the part of your soul that tells you what to be afraid of. Number three is the ego vortex. This is the part of your soul that is similar to, but not synonymous with, your personality. And then there's a picture of you go, and it says, I have inserted the tip of my mind into your soul. He's really big on the um, thinly veiled double entendre there. I wonder what that says about him. Anyway, if you've been paying attention, you may have noticed that in chapter 1, I told you that that there would be discussing... <clears throat> I hope that's a typo. If you have been paying attention, you may have noticed that in chapter 1, I told you we would be discussing 12 things that have caused things to be wrong with you. If you were paying attention, then you would have noticed that there are, in fact, 13 causes of the things that are wrong with you on the list. Did you notice? Have you passed the invisible quiz? As a life coach, I can do many things to you, but I cannot make you pay attention. I can make you pay for other things, things like live one-on-one -on -one sessions, intensive three-day long retreats, DVDs, books, and subliminal audio recordings that are meant to do little more than take advantage of the fact that you will not pay attention. If you will not pay attention, I cannot help you. I can only take advantage of you, and you cannot help yourself. You can only be taken advantage of by me. Why am I telling you this? Why am I exposing the game instead of selling it like all of the other life coaches? Because I am not like other life coaches. I am superior to other life coaches. That is why you have chosen my book to help you discover and correct what is wrong with you. Consider this true tale that I was forced to witness as I did my weekly food shopping. Now we got a story. It's called um, The Old Lady Who Would Not Pay Attention. Imagine you're in the supermarket heading east on a strip of aisle between frozen foods and organic frozen foods. Right near aisle 9 where they keep the cooking oil and vinegars, you notice an old lady. She is shouting and spinning in circles. This sounds familiar. She has clearly approached the entire concept of food shopping in an incorrect manner. She is spinning in circles and yelling, Where is the oil? Where is the oil? Why can't I find the oil? She can't find the oil because she forgot both where the oil was and also that she could just look around by moving her head instead of spinning. How did she forget this? She forgot this because she panicked. I told Hugo that story. That happened to me about two years ago. I was helping my parents out going food shopping, and that happened. And I told it to him. 
and he stole it, put it in his book. Man. Why did she panic? Because her reality generating mechanism was giving her false information. Because her fear matrix refused to understand that not being able to find the cooking oil in a grocery store isn't a life and death matter. The reality of the situation was ignored, so her ego vortex suggested she yell and spin in circles in order to protect herself from herself until someone who knew where the oil was would tell her. No one told her. She's still there, spinning and yelling. That's not true. She got tired and left. It has been months and she is still there. I was just there last week. She's not there. Why Why does he do things like this? <clears throat> Why you were told this story? You were told this story to illustrate a point. The point is that if you do not pay attention, then you will at some point spin around in public and be unable to locate the goods you are intending on purchasing. The behavior of the old woman in the supermarket was neither sensible nor useful, and behavior should be one of those, at least. This is a sad story, because her actions made perfect sense to her, and they shouldn't have. It is the only way for someone who refuses to pay attention to how they behave to behave. They have no other option but to stop and spin around in circles, forcing everyone around them to look at them and go, that lady or man is an idiot or a moron. You are behaving like this person every time you don't think about what you say before you say it, or do something you don't want to do so someone else doesn't have to feel bad. If you want to have less things wrong with you and enjoy the sort of life that having less things wrong with you brings with it, then you must pay attention. You must live in the world around you and allow it to be what it is. You must look. You must see. When you begin to, when you begin to pay attention, you will find out all the things that are wrong with you and more. That one wasn't so long. Um, chapter 4 is next time. We made it through that one alright. Lousy story stealing dick. Okay, thanks for tuning in. Back to the regular podcast. Wow, huh? You know what I mean? Like, who would have thought all that stuff would have happened in one show? Well, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Um, why don't you go on down to the SaturdayEveningGhost.com. That's SaturdayEveningGhost.com. Then you can read all Virgil, say Frankenstein stories. You could listen to other episodes of this podcast. There's all kinds of things for you to do there. And if you really like the SEG, we ask that you kindly check out our Patreon page, which you can find at the website. I know nobody has money. But maybe somebody does have money, and they want to give some of it to us every month so we can keep doing this crazy crap for you. There's worse things to spend your money on. Like you could, I don't know, give it to a politician or something. Okay, um, oh yeah. You're going to want to get some SEG ebooks. They're pretty much free right now. You can go down and find out all about them on the website. And there's a mailing list too. Shit's really happening. We're blowing up. Super legit. Alright. I gotta go to some business meetings. Talk to you next month.